0: God is so good. How many are here to worship Jesus today? here to worship Jesus? Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. You know, as I was praying just a few minutes ago, I just was reminded by the Lord. I was watching something on Egypt the other day. And they were showing the Nile River and how it brings life. When it overflows, it just brings the nutrition over to the land and it leaves the silt. And the soil is just so energized and life comes out of the soil. But it's because of the river. And the Lord showed me that he wants to move by his spirit, even this morning, as a river. You know, a river runs and then when it overflows, it brings life. And the Lord wants to bring that river to us, not just in this church, in this house, but in you, Larry, in all of us, in all of us, as we go out to work and through the the day, through our family, a grocery store or wherever, the river of life where it just overflows and it brings life all around you. See, God wants to bring life wherever you go. See, where you go, life is going. So surely when you go... And, you know, are you still doing cans? you still get cans, Sherry? Praise the Lord. More cans for Shirley. More cans. See, when you go get cans or whatever, you're going to bring life to whoever in whatever area you're at or when you're mowing the lawn or whatever. We're going to bring life. Does everybody agree with that? Let's declare that right now. Jesus, we've come to worship you, Lord. And, Lord, we want the river to flow in abundance, Lord. So, Lord, that it overflows in us. And as we go, wherever we go, this week and the weeks to come, the months, the years, that the river of life is going to flow through us and bless others, Lord, and bring abundance and life wherever we go. We declare that in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that we can come to worship you today and we give this service to you. Holy Spirit, Have your way with us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.
1: there's freedom, there's liberty. Last night I was in the sanctuary here and I was just praying and the Lord just impressed upon me that He's going, He's baptizing this church with the power of the Holy Spirit and this church is going to know freedom and liberty like you've never known it before. I just, you know, the Bible says that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we all beheld the glory and the glory of the Lord. God, Jesus, is being lifted up. And you're going to see his glory. And you're going to begin to experience a liberty and freedom in the Lord. You know, as we were in prayer this, and just in worship here this morning, I literally saw the Lord just kind of walk through the front here. And the Lord was looking upon all of us. He was just glancing at it. I said, Lord, what what are you seeing? And then it was in Mark 3 where Jesus said he came into the synagogue. The Bible says there was a man with a withered hand and he hid it. He had a withered hand and he hid that hand. And Jesus said to that man, step forward. You see, faith always is moving you forward faith moves you. And when Jesus saw that man with a withered hand, let me tell you something. Under the law, people with a withered hand, people with infirmities were not allowed to come into the synagogue because they were considered, they were considered defiled. But Jesus saw him. The Bible says he had compassion. How many of you know Jesus has compassion on you see, there are today people that have a withered spirit. They have withered faith, and they feel depressed. But Jesus said, now reach forth your hand. I want everyone to stretch your hand towards heaven. Jesus said, stretch your hand forward. And the Bible says Jesus, as he's spoken, the Bible says the hand was made holy. The Lord is coming to bring circulation. You know what a withered hand is? It's, it's a, a hand, it's a, it's a heart, it's a life that, that is all blocked up. It's, it has no circulation, it has no life. And the Holy Spirit is coming this morning just to bring a sense of life and circulation and healing and restoration and. He's coming to us and he is saying to step forward. It's time to move our faith towards heaven. It's time to reach forth and embrace the promises of God this morning and experience his healing power, his wholeness. Experience the life-empowering change of his glory, resting, the anointing breaking every yoke in your life. But you know what the Bible also says? Jesus looked around, and the Pharisees, they watched him. The Bible says that the Pharisees were looking at him, and they were condescending in their thoughts because he was healing on the Sabbath. And it says that when Jesus looked around, he was grieved in spirit because of their unbelief. How many of you know it's faith? that rewards us. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. This morning, maybe you feel withered. Maybe you feel a lack in some area of your life and there's there's no real movement. There's no life. Just extend your faith this morning. Father, we receive it. We, We receive the grace of God. We thank you, Lord, that wherever you go, the Word is made flesh. Wherever you go, Lord, the spirit of liberty reigns. Because Lord, you're not the God of the dead but the God of the living. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've opened the heavens upon us today. Father, we give you praise. Father, we will not hold back. We will not let weakness. We will not let sin. We will not allow condemnation or guilt, Lord, to separate us from the love of God. Father, we thank you that you've raised us up and made us ambassadors in the kingdom of God. The Bible says that we need to give thanks to the Lord. they may reign in life. We speak it. We declare it in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the power and the anointing that you have quickened us by your spirit because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead has quickened our mortal lives. Our minds are quickened. Our hearts have been quickened. We are filled with vision. We are filled with dreams. We are filled with the quickening power of resurrection life. Lord, and you said that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We declare healing, confidence, life, healing, breakthrough, and dominion over my brother and sister in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, let the word, let the word be made. Flesh and dwell among us that the glory of the Lord may be seen upon us the glory of the only God the Father through us and in us in Jesus' name in Jesus' name in Jesus just, just continue to pray intercede for your brother your sister just intercede lift them right now there's body ministry right now happening chains are broken Healing is flowing. Life is coming. Resurrection. The dead are being raised. Even right now. Confidence is being restored. Mercy is moving. Mercy is falling right from the throne of grace right now. Father, we declare we thank you, Lord, for the channels of the deep that have been broken up. Deep calling unto deep. Oh, God, we reach into the depths of my brother, my sister. We thank you, Father, you know, right now I just see angels. I see angels in this house. Massive, huge angels. And their wings are fluttering and it's it's like they're moving right now because of the declarations of faith and the and the and the binding and the, the loosening and the agreement on earth as it is in heaven. And you just see angels moving, and they're being scattered and ascending and descending upon Upon the saints, even right now, God's glory being revealed. The hearts of people being stirred. The lives of God's people experiencing breakthrough, even right now from chains of bondage. We thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Have your way. way, Have Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Keep my Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Everyone say this with me. There is more. There's more. There's more. The Holy Spirit keeps saying, there's more. God has more. Everyone say more. He said now, now, today, if you will hear his voice, there's more, there's more. There's more power. There's more life. There's more flow. There's more healing. There's more ability. There's more strength being dispensed upon the people of God. The heavens are opened on you right now. Jesus told us to call those things that are not as though they are. We're no longer looking around us. We're no longer governed by the circumstances in our life. We are people whose citizenship is in heaven. We see things from a different vantage point. There is an authority. There's a word. There's a word of faith even in your mouth. It's in your mouth. morning you came to church and this past week you heard some bad news from a doctor. A doctor told you some bad news. God's going to turn the bad news into good news. And this morning what you're going to do is you're going to begin to declare that my God is Jehovah Jireh. He's a God who will provide that which is lacking. Father, we speak that in Jesus' Like the Lord was saying the angels are the messengers for God's people and as you begin to declare the word as you begin to speak angels are moving the, the, the spirit the prince of the power of the air is bound as God's people in the spirit of unity begin to declare the word of the Lord do you, do you know when you worship God, the flurry of angels begin to move and the powers of, of the heavens are released and the armies of the living God are dispensed and, and, and the powers of the darkness are bound when you begin to worship the Lord and that there's something about this power of worship this morning. God wants to release the spirit the power of grace
2: the Lord told me I was ruined. My old man was ruined. I was trying to live like an old man this last week. Old patterns, old ideas, old thinking, the things that used to work for me. And it wouldn't work. And Father said, it's ruined. I ruined you when you went to Azusa, and I've given you a new operating system. Imagine us trying to work on a DOS system. It's ruined. Our our past thinking is ruined. And then he gave me this image, and it's a little gross. Bear with me. But I had this old, dead carcass that I was trying to live through. And he says, put the old, dead man aside, because I've ruined you for that past life and I have given you a new life, a new anointing. Holy Spirit says there is a new anointing. A new anointing. Don't think yesterday's ways. It's a new thing. This angel of the Lord is bringing a new thing. And don't be afraid. And that's where I was. I said, Lord, I'm used to the old ways of doing things. And you're asking me to do a do thing. And it's a little scary. And he says, step into it. Just step into it. Step into it. Don't be afraid. He gave me an example. Jonathan, please come here. Do you guys know this guy? What is his relation to me? What, Jonathan, what's in your pocket? Hold it up. What does that represent? Who gave it to him? Who gave him that key? The father gives the son the authority. And he has my permission to drive the car, to get into the house. The father has given you the keys. You, the keys. You're no longer a child wanting daddy to drive you around. He has given you the keys and you need to get into the car and drive it because he's given it you. The old thinking is, Daddy will drive me around. The new thinking is, you have the authority. Now, take it. If you don't, you're going to be stuck at home wondering what everybody else is doing. Take the authority, church. This is yours. And it is a little scary when you first start to drive. It is a little scary, but step into it. And you will make some mistakes, but step into it. It's your new authority old way of thinking boundaries are broken all right no more denominations no more yours and mine it's a body of christ amen there's a new anointing here and somebody's going to get really healed and really messed up today and i release that i release the mess of the old carcass being thrown away and the new identity of who we are in Christ and step into that authority. Get off the couch, take the keys, and go.
1: You receive that? How many of you receive that this morning? Yes. You know, Paul said something really important. He says, This one thing I do is I forget what is behind. Everyone say, I forget. Now, we know you really can't forget mentally, but it means I'm not going to let my past hold me hostage anymore. I'm not held hostage to anything in my past. It's a new day. It's a new day. Amen. Father, we thank you for the new thing, the new wine, a new day. Lord, it's a new opportunity this morning. We step into that authority. We step in. Lord, into that provision that is made through the power of the Holy Spirit to dream, to visualize. Lord, to be empowered, to be all that you called and anointed us to be. We're no longer weak. We're no longer backwards. Lord, we're no longer just people in our own strength or on our own flesh, but we are called out. We are the special treasure, a holy nation, a peculiar people special people of the Lord. Father, we receive the gift of righteousness. We receive that gift through Jesus. Through Jesus' name. Everyone say Jesus. Say Jesus. One more time. Jesus. There's no other name that man can be saved than through faith in the name of Jesus. It's through faith in His name we give you praise. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, give him a hug this morning. Bless him in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.
3: That was a good word, James. That was awesome. All right, I just want to welcome you guys this morning. I know God is not done. I just pray our hearts would just stay open to receive whatever else he has for us this morning. Um, If our ushers want to go ahead and come down, and we're just going to continue our worship. We are a church that believes in God's provision in the area of finances, Yes. So you guys just agree with me. God, you are good. And God, we just thank you for giving us authority and kingdom, kingdom dominion in our finances. Lord, we thank you that you are providing for anyone who needs increase. We thank you for giving us a new measure of faith. We thank you for calling us to step out in the area of our finances. We thank you for just being a good God. And we just speak life over this money. We thank you that you're going to multiply it and use it for your kingdom and for your glory. And we just give you all the praise. Amen. As they're doing that, go ahead and let you guys know what's going on. Tonight, we do have life groups at 6 o'clock. So you can see um, the back of your bulletin for where those are at. If you're not part of a life group, just want to encourage you, put the plug in. You want to be part of a life group. It's fun. It's, we just, it's, it's always different. It's always just a good time of fellowship and connecting and getting to know people on a new level and just praying for one another. And it's just it's good. Right? People who go to life groups, say amen. Can I get an amen? Right? Okay. So join a life group. Um, Monday night prayer. We are still meeting on Monday nights at 7 o'clock. If you just want to come and seek God and just um, rest in his presence, that's happening. The church is open. Wednesday night, we've still got classes going on. And then um, we are having our Memorial Day picnic. And there will be probably more information about that coming up. But it's at Collin Park at Lake LaVon on on Memorial Day in a couple weeks. So, and then... um, We've got stuff coming up throughout the summer. We're going to get information to you guys about that. We kind of shift gears in the summer and do some different stuff. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and you guys see your bulletin for anything else that you need to know about. And kids can be dismissed to their classes. Power Kids and Tiny Talks.
1: Praise God. Awesome. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Megan. Really, really pray tonight that you can all get plugged into our life groups. Uh, I... You know, it's so important relationally that we all connect. How, how many of you know that when we come together as a body in our life groups, the Bible says that there is a ministry that begins to take place. We're strengthened from member to member. And so we just pray that you connect with our life groups. It's not just about eating and talking, but there's interaction, there's sharing, there's development, there's life. Amen? And uh, the Bible says in Acts 2 that all they that believed were together and they broke bread and had fellowship. We are in Acts chapter 2. We're a spirit-filled church and we believe that you are dynamic. Amen? There's a dynamic approach. There's a dynamic life that rests upon you. How many of you know God didn't call you to be ordinary? He didn't call you just to go through life, exist, pay bills, and just kind of go through life and die. He, he called you to an extraordinary life. He called you to make a difference. You know, I, uh, I, 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 I kind of battled whether I'd share this or not, but I, this morning, uh, every Sunday when I get up, uh, my wife and I, before we come over here about six o'clock, we we go over to this place called the Donut Palace. And uh, <laughs> we buy donuts for the musicians and the sound people. And I mean that too, by the way, not, not just that. Uh, but there was a gentleman there who, who's the owner of this place. And I have been talking to him for years. In fact, uh, he had a limp. I was able to pray with him, got a measure of breakthrough. He is married to an Asian woman. I went in to get the donuts today, and I noticed that I hadn't seen him there for several weeks. And uh, uh, I asked him, I said, by the way, where you, where's your husband? I haven't seen Dave, his name was David too. I said, I haven't seen Dave around for a month or so. And she looked at me, she says, haven't you heard? I said, no, I haven't heard anything, where, where is he? He passed away in March, her husband. They'd been married for 10 years. He was the owner of this donut palace over here off Buckingham. And uh, it, it was star- I, I was startled by the announcement this morning that he passed away. Now, the reason I, I bring this up, how many of you know life is short? We don't want to waste time. This guy... Uh, was in a particular denomination, I'm not gonna mention that, but he, he 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 stopped going to church. He wasn't he he had a very cynical, very critical attitude towards the church, towards people, in the house of God, and he'd just completely stopped going altogether. He had this limp, I was able to pray for him a couple of years ago, and there was a measure of breakthrough in that he felt relief, actually at the time I prayed for him. I uh, Did not come into ex- full healing, but I, but I had witnessed to him, and over the years he 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 would make fun of me. He'd make fun of the fact, hey, hey here's the preacher, here's Reverend Ray, and you know I I had him on my uh, in my sights as far as prayer interceding for this gentleman. And the thing that bothers me right now, I, I don't know. I don't know where things are at with him. I don't know where he was. But it shook me this morning to know that we have a very short time. We don't want to play games. We we do not want to play games. This this guy had a lot of gave me a lot of excuses. You know, the church is full of hypocrites and this and that. He was he was really a nice guy, gentleman. But. But he, he did say this, and I, I, I say this to the, the glory of God. He says, Ray, you're the first guy I've ever talked to that seems to be a no-nonsense. He's, he's been around evidently preachers or teachers that uh, he just didn't feel any genuine authenticity in their life. But uh, well, the, the, the thing that, that just grips me is to know that we are around people every day and we don't know the impact we're, we're making. And it kind of ties in with what I'm sharing this morning. I I want to talk to you. The title this morning is called The Daniel Effect. The Daniel Effect. Um, Last week, I uh, was in prayer and uh, opened this subject last week. But the thing that I... How many of you know there's a a change taking place in our nation? Uh, our, Our nation has turned a corner and we're moving a different direction. And uh, the thing that concerns me is what I'm sensing and seeing, and I'm sure many of you are realizing, I mean, sexism, racism, all sorts of other isms are so heightened today. There is a lot more hostility. People are on edge. It's amazing that some of the candidate, candidates that are running for office Uh, seem to get a lot of momentum because of their anger. It seems like we're an anger-driven nation. We're a a nation that's upset. And I understand that anger. I understand that we've moved. But what does concern me is the attitude and the heart of the believer in the midst of this generation. And I I believe that, and I, I think we can all understand Uh, We understand that some of our freedoms and some of the values that we embrace are being challenged. America is not the nation it used to be. We know that. But one of the things that concerns me as believers, and even I hear ministers and others, and the Lord really put a check on my heart about a month ago in in preparation and seeking the Lord on this particular vein that I'm on this morning and possibly next week on the Daniel effect is how we are to let our light shine in a society that is moving away from a a godly foundation. What what should our response be as believers? Maybe when there are other people that we do not necessarily agree with on their values, their views, what, 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 what is our approach? What is our attitude? What should it be in regards when the ungodly rule in our particular nation, our community and society? Should we be picketers? Should we be protesters? Should we uh, march in parades and picket? And, and what, what is the attitude that Jesus said we should have? How many of you believe we need to walk in that kind of light, that Jesus said to walk in that light? Now, one of the things in Matthew chapter 5, I'm not going to turn to, nor 1 Timothy 2, we, we talked about that last week, but remember what Jesus said about you and me. First of all, we are baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amen? How many of you out there baptized with the Holy Spirit? Jesus said about the baptism that you shall receive power. That power was not just so you can experience the gifts, and use the gifts, although that's part of it, but that power in the anointing that God has given you was so that your life would move from a natural, ordinary, to an extraordinary, supernatural kind of lifestyle. God intended for your life to actually be a light. Your life and your light and the light in what is coming out of you is going to be the kind of light and life that is going to attract the world around you. And uh, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And He said this, that when men see, everyone say see, they will see your good works and glorify God which is in heaven. 1 Peter tells us, What they're seeing. If you go back into 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, Peter says that we are to have our conduct. Everyone say conduct. Our conduct honorable among the Gentiles. What does it mean to be an honorable believer? That doesn't mean that I'm honorable to them because they believe and they say what I say. In fact, Paul says, or I'm sorry, Peter says this, that with our honorable conduct, we will win them. How many of you believe God so loved the world? He loves this world. He loves the liberal, he loves the conservative, he loves the independent, he loves people that do not necessarily believe the way we believe. Jesus said, You're the light of the world, and through your conduct, He didn't say through your preaching. He didn't say through your message. He didn't say through your conviction. He said through your conduct, they will be one, and your conduct will put to silence their slanderous remarks against you. Your conduct will put to silence. Can you imagine people being silenced by your conduct? Now, I am not only given the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, of course, brought the gospel. And the purpose of the gospel, by the way, wasn't just to save you and heal and restore and bring us into wholeness. But the purpose of the gospel was to empower you. You are a witness. Being a witness in my world and in our community and in our society means that you are bringing better news. You're bringing life-giving reports. You're reflecting Jesus in that your attitude, your attitude, your conduct. When people see you, you know what they see? They see a better husband. They see a a better family, a stronger family. They see a husband and wife who have control and are working with their children. And their children are productive and fruitful. They they, They see fruitfulness in your life. They see kindness, they see compassion, they see care, they see a, a positive, optimistic view even in the midst of a perverted and perverse generation. I believe that that this is what Jesus is doing in the church. But in order for us to be that kind of a generation, how many of you believe that the church needs to have the renewing of our minds and we need to be whole and healthy in ourselves? We, we can't be divisive. We can't be broken. We can't be defensive. If you're defensive and, 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 it, and, and it gets into you and it bothers you when someone cuts you off or is promoted over you and, and uh, maybe someone says something about you on the job. Maybe someone cut in line on your job and, and you're irked by it and you say, I'll tell you what, I'll get them next time. You, you see, what, what that shows is you're not healthy doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it means you haven't come into wholeness. See, healthy people heal people. Hurting people end up hurting other people. Whatever is inside of you is going to come out of you. And it will come out of you in the form of a defensiveness or a sense of insecurity or a sense of fear or anger. Or, in the sense of i 've got to control this situation, see that that 's a sign of brokenness. Now, I honestly believe that God keeps Christians and even churches from letting their lights shine too brightly. Now, hang on, let me tell you why is because I love what Bill Johnson says. God sometimes keeps things from you to protect you because when your light is really shining bright and the world sees it then you come under attack and god will actually literally shield certain christians and churches and people because he knows those churches are not ready for the landslide and the assault that will come against them because when you're when your light is shining guess what's coming persecution the brighter you shine, and the more that God shines through you, the greater the attack. But when, when your light is not shining, and you're on the fringes, and you're still broken, and you're still insecure, and it still bothers you when someone cuts you off, or gets promoted, or says something about you, and, I just can't believe it, Pastor. I'm just praying right now that Jesus gives me a job where Christians are, because I can't stand to work around these perverts that kind of a person is not ready for their light to shine. Because when your light is truly shining, you're able to pray for those who despitefully use you. You're able to love your enemies. You're able to really bounce back when people push you down, insult you, step on your toes, cross in line, or maybe call you, insult you, assault you. See, God has a way of protecting people in the church that are not healthy yet. Thank God for that. I I am grateful. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm grateful that New Life Fellowship doesn't have the big bright lights out there that other ministries have. Pastor Ray, do you want to stay small? No, I don't want to stay small. But I've learned over the years that even Pastor Ray wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for what God wants to do. God actually keeps you hidden until you're healthy. And then when the promotion comes, guess what? You'll be ready, your light will shine, but also the devil, the demonic assault will be on you much greater. So God keeps his people in a place where they're hidden in a pavilion in a sense, where they're protected because He will not allow you to be tempted above what you're not able to take. And it's really important that when when we talk about letting our light shine, we should also be very aware that God understands the process on where we're at. I've seen a lot of preachers say, man, I just can't understand why God just won't let me get out there and let things happen. It's because maybe you're not ready. Maybe He's protecting you. And uh, I'll tell you, one of the things God will do, God will allow you to be tested in smaller situations so you'll be ready for the bigger situations. God will not allow you to be tempted. He will not allow you to be tested because God is concerned about your faith. He does not want you to grow weary in well-doing. But looking at Daniel, I want you to jump back with me into the book of Daniel this morning with that understanding. And let me ask you this morning a very simple question. Daniel chapter 1, if you would turn with me, we're going to look at some things about the life of Daniel that are really enlightening about this man and what the testimony that he had... With the unbelievers. Daniel was a man who served under four kingdoms, four kings. And God allowed him to be a voice. Daniel was possibly a teenager when Nebuchadnezzar, about 650 BC, when they invaded Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar, according to many scholars, was possibly no different than Adolf Hitler. He massacred the Jews. He was a barbarian. He was arrogant. He was proud. He was a narcissistic individual. And the Bible says in Daniel 2 that God gave Nebuchadnezzar that power. God gave it to him. God allowed him to come. Now, if you go back into the history of Israel, the reason why God allowed the nation of Israel to be besieged that time was simply because for 200 years, Israel had begun to intermarry and intermix and to blend their religion their their relationship they were they they had embraced mixture with pagan nations in such a way that the nation of Israel would begin to claim their covenant with God and the blessing of God while they were continuing to intermingle with the pagan nations and the culture around them You see, the nation of Israel was called to come out and be separate. God called them to be a kingdom or a nation of kings and priests that was to represent the Lord. But instead, Israel had become mixed. They began to mix in the culture. God warned Israel that you're not to allow your sons and daughters to intermarry with the sons and daughters of the Canaanites and, and the others. And by the way, it's not that God's against intermarriage. The problem was God was concerned about their values and, and the breakdown and the compromise that this mixture would cause. Now, we all know that in America today, America is a melting pot. And there are a lot of people today. We see, according to George Bonner, others that study trends and Other things like that, we see that there is a mixture coming in even into the church where people are now beginning to say, in fact, this is a study that's alarming. 60% of church-going believers across America now believe in America, where it is standing right now, 60% believe that Jesus Christ is not the only way to heaven. These are church attenders. Listen, I'm not talking about Joe 6 Out her. I'm talking about people that attend church that do not believe that the Bible is the only way. Now, that's, that's, that's alarming. How many of you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the lie? According to this report, and the way the trend is going, there's mixture. People are now beginning to step back and say, Well, I... I don't know if Jesus is really the only way. I, I don't know. And see, if the devil can get you to begin to question your faith, guess what? You will be ineffective. You will lose your holy fire. You will lose your conviction. All of a sudden, you will begin to flow with what the crowd is saying, what my friends are saying, what everybody else is saying. Well, everybody else is doing it. What does the Bible say? I think Christianity is a little bit too narrow-minded. and Maybe it's a little bit out of touch with what culture says. What does the Bible say? It says those who have a love for the world The love of the Father is not in them. The Bible says we are called out. Everyone say called out. out. To be called out does not mean that you isolate yourself in some kind of a monastery and and go on some mountain and, and just wait for the rapture. No, called out means that you recognize God's hand and you recognize the Holy Spirit inside of you in your relationship with God and you recognize that your body Everybody say, my body. My body was redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. And this body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And now I no longer allow this body to be used in any way to allow the enemy or the devil or the influence of the culture around me to dictate its desire. In fact, Romans 6 says that my body and the desires of this body has been reckoned dead. Everyone say dead. dead. Really important. Because in order for the life and the power of God and the light to shine through you, I have to have a dead body. That body is dead. It's reckoned dead. And the Bible says only... As we are reckoned dead, can the life of God and the resurrection power and the spirit of God quicken our mortal bodies. But in the time when Daniel, as a young teenager with three other Hebrew boys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were taken in. There's no history on the parents of these four 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 boys. But the Bible says they were good looking. They were skilled in all manner of literature and wisdom and understanding. And the Bible says these boys caught the eye of Nebuchadnezzar. He took them in. And there were four things, and I want you to see the parallel that's happening. Four things that this culture did in, in Daniel's day. The first thing it says, that he began to train them with a new language. The reason why he wanted to teach them with a new language is because he wanted to renew and reprogram their minds. If you want to train people to think differently, you must teach them to talk differently. And Nebuchadnezzar understood that key. The second thing they did is he gave them all, he stripped them from their Hebrew names and gave them Babylonian names because he wanted them to forget their history and their relationship and their covenant to God. So Nebuchadnezzar introduced Babylonian gods and they all had Babylonian names to create a new identity in their life. He was seeking to get them to compromise. The third thing was he seduced them or sought to seduce them by changing their diet. The the Babylonian diet was a very rich, fatty diet. It was a very tasty diet, a lot like American. How many of you here like garlic and I'm going to be here like, uh, and, uh, I'm be here, like uh, shrimp and all those crabs? And well, I like it too. Well, guess what? That's the kind of food in the Bible God actually told Israel to stay away from. And, but he sought to seduce and bring them into compromise with a kind of a very, very rich diet. And the Bible says they would eat of the king's delicacies. And the last thing, they were to spend their time in the presence of the king in the palace. He took the, the, the wisest, he took those that were skilled in understanding and language and understanding, and he began to reprogram them. Do you know that that's what the world wants to do with our young people today? He wants to reprogram their minds. And by the way, folks, it's not a a cultural or or just a uh, political move. It is demonic. The Bible says that the spirit of the power of the air rules the minds of people. The reason I'm saying all that is we need to understand the battle we are in. Now, Daniel was taken into custody. He's the Bible even says many scholars also believe that he was made a eunuch as well as the other Hebrew boys, so they wouldn't get the other young ladies pregnant in the harem that they had there. But it's possibility. Their parents were killed, separated, and they were thrust into this system, this world system, under this barbaric, narcissistic king who was ruler at that time. Very politically empowered. He had a philosophy of life, very self-centered. In fact, later on, he begins to build an image about himself and he commands everyone in the kingdom to bow down to worship it. By the way, do you know that that's what's happening in America today? The way our political system is going, the whole purpose of the party, that's why there's such a battle for the nation, the heart of this nation, is to get you to bow down to the values of this culture. But... Now, one of the things we need to realize, we do not have to bow our knee, but we can still have a love and a care and a compassion for the people around us. And that's why we need to get healthy. Amen? Here we find in Daniel chapter 1, notice what it says in Daniel 1. It says that even though all of these things happen in verse 6, now, let's come down to verse 7. And the chief of the eunuchs gave the names, and he gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, Belshazzar and Hananiah and Shadrach and Michal, Meshach and Azariah, Abednego, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's delicacies. Now, notice what it says. In spite of what was going on, he began to reject this in the palace. Now, I don't believe there was an all-out rebellion, but the Bible does say that he found favor with the chief of the eunuchs. Now, the interesting thing about Daniel and these three boys, and I want you to see what kind of impact and effect Daniel had with these kings. And I think it's important for us to know, and I'd like you to jump over with me to Daniel chapter 6. Just keep your finger there in Daniel 1, but jump with me to Daniel chapter 6 as well as uh, Daniel uh, chapter 10. Also, we're going to just look at this because this, this is the witness. This was the testimony of uh, Daniel among these kings at the time. Let me see here if I'm in the right place here. Okay, 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 okay. No, I'm sorry. It's in Daniel chapter 5. This is under King Nebuchadnezzar's, this is Belteshazzar, when uh, he saw the handwriting on the wall in chapter 5. And the queen comes to her husband in verse 10 and says, The queen, because of the words of the king and the lords, came to the banquet hall, and the queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor your countenance change. For there is a man... In your kingdom, in whom is the spirit of a holy God, and in the days of your father, light, understanding, and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, inasmuch as an excellent spirit knowledge and understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas, were found in this Daniel, whom the king demanded, now to let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Now, how many of you know that's a great witness to have? What a witness to have when the ungodly begin to say that there's an excellent spirit in you. Can you imagine? This is, these are ungodly, barbaric, pagan, idolatry, worshiping kings. And th- this is the witness of, of these kings. Th- now, this was the wife of Belteshazzar, if you go back down to chapter 6. And this, this is the witness of, of the king Darius when Daniel... How many of you have heard of the story of Daniel in the lion's den? Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, and notice what it says here about Daniel. And it says here that in verse 1, it pleased Darius to set. Now, now think about this. Here again is a pagan king with anti Christian values, and it says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 set traps. These are uh, like governors and senators and all these, to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, he was one of the chief governors in charge, to give an account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Notice the, the trust that Daniel gained in the heart of this pagan king. Notice this, and Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because of an excellent spirit. Everyone say, an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now, that would be like the president of the United States coming to a Christian and say, I so like you because you honor, and there's such an excellent spirit in you, I'm going to put you over the whole thing. Can you imagine that? How many of you know we, need a, we have a little bit to grow here in America, in the church? Because instead of cursing those who are in places of, that are against our values, we find that these pagan kings saw something shining so bright in these guys that they promoted them. They promoted them among, even above others that saw things the way they saw. Even though there were people that had their same values, these kings promoted him. And it says there's an excellent spirit found in this guy. Well, even so much that verse 4 says in chapter 6 that these other governors were so jealous and angry that they set a trap for king the king Darius to sign a pledge that if anyone would not bow down and acknowledge the king or the God that the king served, should be incarcerated, taken. And they set a trap and notice verse 10 in chapter six. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. I'm so glad he went home. He didn't go out and protest and throw a fit. Says he went home and in the upper room of his windows towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees, three times that day and prayed and gave thanks. Everyone say give thanks. thanks. He didn't just pray, he gave thanks. Can you give thanks to God when you're in an oppressive political environment that is against your Christian faith? Can you still give thanks? He prayed and he gave thanks before his God as was the custom since the early days. And these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before their God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, should be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. The, the king realized he was caught in a trap because of jealous and slanderous other uh, colleagues in that same realm. And notice what it says here, verse 14. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him and labor till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Can you imagine your light is shining in such a way where ungodly people are seeking to get you out of jail? That's what's happening here. That's exactly what's happening. That your spirit and your attitude, you are such an honorable, respectful individual that ungodly people are trying to get you out of jail. How many of you are hearing what I'm saying this morning? See, what I'm trying to say to you this morning is the book of Daniel, by the way, which is also taught by Jesus. By the way, do you know the book of the correlating scripture in in the scripture in the New Testament is the book of Revelations with Daniel? You'll find that a lot of the revelation that came to John in Revelations came from his understanding of reading the book of Daniel. Daniel is a book, a prophetic book, that has to do with a lot of end time events. And Daniel was a man who was given understanding with visions and dreams and interpretation. And he's thrown into this lion's den. And you know the story that as he's in the lion's den, Daniel, the king comes to him, verse 16, and he says, "'The king gave commandment. They brought him, cast him in the den. But the king came to the den and said, "'Your God, whom you serve continually.'" He will deliver you. Can you imagine that testimony from a pagan king about you? Your God's going to deliver you. Now, why would anybody that is in an anti-God, anti-Christ move? why would they say that about you? Because there's something inside of you that they have saw, seen and they have recognized and they actually attribute it to God. And so he, he's thrown into the, the den of lions, verse 17. And I love what it says, verse 18. You know, it's, it's, it's really great when your life is shining so well and so bright that you cause the unbelievers to lose sleep at night. Because that's what happened. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fast, fasting. And the musicians were brought before him, uh, and no, no musicians were brought before him, And his sleep went from him. But the king rose the very next morning and went into haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out in lamenting a voice to Daniel. And the king said, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? I love Daniel's response. He says, Daniel said to the king, Oh, king, live forever. Yes. Now, I want us to do something this morning. Let's say this together. Oh, Obama, Obama. Live, forever. live forever. Oh, I know that was tough. <laughs> well, Pastor Ray, uh, I don't know about what you're trying to, what are you trying to do here. Are you trying to turn us into Democrats? Nope. Not trying to turn you into Democrats or Republicans or independents. I'm trying to help us get the bigger picture. I am trying to help us to understand that rather getting into the fight and into the fray of your political views and your fight, oh, the commies are coming, the devil's coming, the spirit of our inner Christ is on the edge of taking over the world. I want to get us out of that thinking. The Bible says that these kings, do you know why Jesus said you're the light of the world? Do you know why he says when they see your good works, they will glorify God in heaven? Jesus was quoting that because he was reading and he was seeing these things in the life of others in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. And what we have here in the Bible is this king is pleading. He's coming down and says, Daniel, was your God able to shut the mouth of the lie?" Can you imagine your boss doing that to you? Maybe the guy's a homosexual. Maybe he's a witch, a witch doctor. Maybe he's into drugs. Maybe he's into selfish living. But your testimony, because of your excellent spirit, because of the honor, the spirit of honor, and the Spirit of Christ that rests upon you. Your testimony is a as a testimony of, of honor where God is glorified because of your willingness to make some sacrifice. And Daniel, I love his his response. Oh king, you live forever. My God sent His angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before Him. And also, O King, I have done no wrong before you. Now the King was exceedingly glad. Can you imagine that? For the leaders of our nation to be glad for what the church is doing. I don't hear a whole lot of amens today. I want you to understand that being of the light of the world doesn't mean that we're just here to, to sit here and go out and tell, I want to teach Jesus the light of the world and we hate perverts and converts and we hate sin and if you sin, you're going to hell. That's not the kind of light Jesus wants us to shine. That's not the kind of light. Well, I'm standing for righteousness and I can't stand perversion. I can't stand lies. I can't stand a lack of a I understand that. But you see, what Jesus is doing He's actually actually setting you up to show up. You see, do you know why you've been set up where you're at? And why you may feel like you you look like you are at the disadvantage, but it's a setup for God to show up. Because when He, God puts you into that lion's den, that's where God begins to show His power... And people begin to say, wow, yeah. listen to the testimony now of King Darus. Listen to what happens when, by the way, they, he brings him out. And remember what happened. King Darus doses the crooks and the guys in the lion's den who set, did this setup against Daniel. And in fact, it's, it's, it's really sad, but not only the men, but their entire families were cast into the lion's den. But at the end of this, if you jump down... To verse 26, King Darus says to all the people, verse 25, in the nations and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble in fear before the God of John and Kathy Stanson and Dwight and Gay Lizzie. Amen. Praise God. How many of you would like to have a witness like that? Ray and Carol, Mike and Gina Riga. Can you imagine politicians saying that about us? I make a decree that everyone must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, the steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heavens and on earth who delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Notice verse 28. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius in the reign of Cyrus the Persians. Wow. I don't know about you, but this has been changed in my theology. Now, you, know, Pastor Ray, are we just kind of supposed to shut our eyes to what's going on around the world and just let sin reign? No. We're not to shut our eyes. We're not to, we're not to be a voice. We're not to shut our mouth. Because let me take you to another passage. Jump over with me. Uh, listen to this one. This is back when King Nebuchadnezzar had two dreams. He had one dream and he couldn't find anybody. Can, can you imagine being in a political system where you're part of a kingdom, and the king comes out to you, and you're part of the wise men, and part of the magicians, and you're part of the the, the, the men of understanding and literature. These are the men that, that King Nebuchadnezzar uh, trusts in, and he looks to for counsel, but he has this nightmare. He has a dream, and then he comes to all of his constituents of these men that he he seeks counsel and he says, all right, now I want you guys to tell me what I dreamt about last night. And these guys said, "Wait, wait a minute, King, tell us the dream and we'll tell you its interpretation. He wouldn't do it. He said, I want you to tell me what I dreamt. And the Bible says these guys panicked and they said, listen, King, nobody can do that kind of, nobody can tell you what you dreamt about. And he got mad. The Bible says in Daniel 2, that he starts killing the wise men. He starts killing them. He starts butchering these guys. Now, how many of you know that would be kind of a scary thing? But finally, when one of the eunuchs get to Daniel, Daniel does something interesting. He tells the man, he says, send word to the king to give me some time. The Bible says he goes in to prayer. What was the secret of Daniel's success? He knew his God. He was a man of prayer. He began to pray. And I love what it says in Daniel chapter 2. Notice what it says here. It says that Daniel in chapter 2, he began to seek the Lord. And he began to pray to the God of heaven. And when he went and, and he sought the Lord, and it says, verse 19, Daniel 2, that the secret was, was, was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heavens. And notice what Daniel says in response to the, the vision. He says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons And he removes kings and raises up kings, and he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things and knows what is in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my Father. You've given me the wisdom and might, and now have made me known known to me what I have asked for you, and you have made known to us the king's demand. And he comes before the king, he gives him not only the dream, but the interpretation of this massive beast that he sees. And I love the response. Now, when he comes down here, he begins to tell them about what's going to happen in the last days. That's what this dream is all about. Notice verse 46 in Daniel chapter 2, verse 46. And the king fell on his face. This is the response of Daniel giving him the interpretation. The king, this, this narcissistic, self-centered, self-absorbed, arrogant, proud Adolf Hitler falls to his face and it says he prostrated before Daniel and commanded that they should prepare an offering and incense to him. And the king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, chief administrator over all the wise men. And Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat at the king's gate. Can you imagine this? I don't know about you. Does this blow your mind? Here's a guy... Who honors the king, he reveals the secrets, he gets another vision, but this vision is not an easy vision for Daniel to interpret because in this particular vision Nebuchadnezzar gets, he's going to, he's going to tell Nebuchadnezzar that you, because of his pride and arrogance, he's going to go around like a cow eating grass. And and the Bible says here in chapter three or four that Daniel himself was troubled by the thoughts as it was revealed. And notice what it says in verse 27. It says, therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Now here's a guy who has his ear. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. Notice Daniel here. He doesn't just pray. He doesn't just honor him. But he actually, in respect and with honor, he comes to him and tells him to repent. There is a place for that. There is a place for that. We, it, but I don't believe he came in there wagging the righteous flag. We're Christians and you're persecuted. and God's going to burn you in hell. That wasn't his attitude. He, was, he honored the king. He respected the king. And the Bible says he feared the king. And because of the, the interesting, unique situation that was taking place, God began to take Daniel and begin to promote him. Now, here's the situation. God may have you and me in situations where there are people that are over us whether on your job whether it's in a political given situation and they actually have power they can manipulate they can control and you're down here they're up here God wants you to know that just because you're down here doesn't mean you are without power and it doesn't mean that you are not without that you are without influence God is going to use you to become the answer to their problems. You are a solution. Everyone say, I am, I am. A, solution a solution to my culture's problems. You are a solution. What does it mean to let my light shine? You know, it's interesting. I don't think Daniel had this attitude. I know, King, I know you had a dream and a vision. I don't think I'm going to tell it to you because you know you've been pretty nasty to the Jews. I don't think you have the right. I'll tell you what, when, when, you, get, when you have a lot, plenty of no, enough nightmares, you come to me and maybe, maybe I think I'll tell you. No, that wasn't the attitude of Daniel. Daniel honored, he respected this man. And he understood, Daniel understood that even though Nebuchadnezzar was in charge of the realm of the kingdom, but God was in charge of the earth. God is in charge over everything else. Daniel held a healthy perspective he wasn 't defensive. he did not turn an attack. Now, I know my time has gone here, but I, I, I want to I want to give you some things that I think are important in closing here. number one, the Bible says verse eight Daniel one it says, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. What was the key to daniel 's success? What was the key to his the revelation? It wasn't just that he decided to keep himself holy and pure by obeying laws. The idea of a man that, that that purposed not to defile himself is because Daniel understood that he was in a relationship with God Almighty. He remembered the Abrahamic covenant. He understood the covenant. He understood that God had called the Jews. He called his people to be separated, and that God called them because He loved them. Daniel was not under some legalistic thing. It wasn't that he purposed in his heart not to defile himself because he was afraid of defilement. No, he understood the high calling and the high honor that he was associated with because he was a covenant man. He was a man in covenant with God. And here's what Daniel did. There are five things I want you to see. Number one, Daniel was a man of purpose. When he was a man of purpose is because he understood his purpose. And it was the reason was, as Daniel fed on the goodness of God. You see, you'll never be able to be able to shine and reflect and to be able to stand under those kind of situations unless you're feeding on the goodness of God. He fed. He fed on the faithfulness of God. He knew under the Abrahamic covenant that God called Israel to be a great nation. A nation of influence. And he said, all those that you bless, I will bless. All those that you curse, I will curse. God said to Abraham, Genesis 12. See, Daniel knew his place and his position. He knew that in God, he was protected. He knew that in God, God could literally change the seasons and turn the hearts of kings. God knew that God, or Daniel knew that God would make him, allow him to become a voice If he allowed himself, if Daniel would recognize that this was a window of opportunity, this is a season for God to be glorified in a situation. Let me tell you folks, do you know when God is glorified in your life? It's not when you're excelling or successful, but it's when you are going through seasons and trials and persecution. Do you know that that's what catches the eye of an unbeliever? Is when you glorify God when things are going bad. That's what catches their eye. When you're in the lion's den, they're going to come and say, well, what's happening to you in that lion's den? Well, God's keeping me. And said, oh, no, I can't believe you threw me down here. You betrayed me. I'm going to fought for another king next time. There was, that, that wasn't the attitude. I can't stand you, king. I can't believe you'd set these kind of values and rules and legislate this kind of legislation. Now look where you put. Look what this got me into. I have my rights. That wasn't Daniel's attitude. Daniel said, "Oh, king, good king, live forever. God has saved me, Oh, king. I mean, he honored him. Now keep in mind, some of you may not realize. Do you know that these Persian kings and Babylonian kings, these guys had sex orgies. They offered animal and human sacrifices. These guys, many of them were gay and homosexuals. They were into witchcraft and demonology. Do you want to know one of the reasons why they had these nightmares and dreams? Because they'd opened themselves up to the occult. Now God spoke through these dreams in some cases because he was warning them. But, but these guys were not just nice. They, they were just little bad. These guys were corrupt. In fact, we find here that Daniel warned Nebuchadnezzar about his treatment to the poor. He says, you need to turn from your iniquities and you need to start treating the poor better. He warned him. But yet the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar concerning Daniel was, man, he's, he's the man. This guy and his God is the God of all the earth. What does it mean to let my light shine? It means, first of all, I'm a man of purpose. Number two, I'm a man of prayer. Daniel was noticed praying. He was a man of prayer. How many of you know if we don't pray, we're not going to move mountains. We've got to be a man of prayer. The third thing, he was a man of purity. He kept himself. Let me tell you something. You will never keep yourself unless you know what you're standing for is worth it. You're never going to keep yourself unless you know what you stand for and what you believe in is worth it. Because if you don't see and if you don't value what you're a part of, you will always quit, give in, and compromise. You'll always find a reason, an excuse for why you fall into temptation. Here we find that Daniel recognized that he was part of something that was much bigger than himself. And so Daniel realized, I need to keep myself because I want that The river, I want, you know, John this morning talked about the river of God. How many of you want the river of his presence to flow through you? There were three things that Daniel walked in. He walked in wisdom, supernatural wisdom. He walked in revelation and understanding dreams and mysteries. And he also walked in a spirit of honor. He honored these people. Now, my point is this. We're coming into an election year. We're coming into seasons where we're going to see a lot of people around coffee break tables and churches and television, and everybody's sitting there getting on this bandwagon and fighting and starting to shoot arrows and throw arrows, and their self-righteous banners are waving and saying, like, oh, "I just can't. Stand. I want America under God again." I, I understand that, but how about start become? Let's let's start giving people the Daniel effect. How about the Daniel effect? I want people to see Jesus in me honoring God and it, but I can honor them, I can honor them, I can respect them. God has called me to be a light in my world and he wants me to get the bigger picture. He wants me, number two, to start recognizing opportunities. Some of you might right now even be in situations that are unfair, you're being mistreated, people are overlooking you, and it's a temptation for you to say, I want my rights. No. Maybe it's time to say, Lord, how are you using this situation to let your name be glorified through me? How can you be glorified through me? Now, some of us might actually be thrown into some lion's den. But guess what? God's going to keep you. He promises to keep us. Amen. I know it was a little long this morning, but I, I wanted to finish this. God has a great year for this church. There's a great year. God has opportunities. How many of you believe we need to change the way we see unbelievers in our culture? We need to look at them differently. Let's start seeing them through the eyes of a loving God who has a desire and compassion for the lost. I no longer want to judge our world and our culture and the politicians. I want to see this as opportunities for Jesus to be glorified in me, where our politicians and our leaders can say, wow, your God must be real because I've never seen such, I never felt such honor and respect. I've never seen any Christian show such honor and respect to me. I I, I thought you guys were going to damn me to hell and tell me to burn in hell, but instead you come and you honor me. By the way, that doesn't mean we're accepting their sin or accepting their values, but we honor them, and it's through our love, and it's through our honor and respect to them that causes them to give ear to what we have to say. It causes them to say, you know what? I don't agree with you, but I think I like you because you're, you're honoring me. How many of you believe the church needs to get healed in this area? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I know I went a little over here today, but I, 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 I believe that God wants to begin to birth a Daniel generation. Again, folks, I am in no way condoning the things that are happening in our society. It bothers me. It really does. Sin bothers any true believer. But what are we going to do about it? Are we going to fight him? Are we going to get into a flesh and blood battle? Or are we going to begin to recognize this is an opportunity for us to let Jesus' life and his love shine through us? That's why the Pharisees hated Jesus. They thought Jesus was a friend to sinners and why he was called a wine-bibber and a friend of sinners, but what Jesus was doing, he was seeking to reach them through love because it's only love that transforms. It's not your preaching and it's not your laws and it's not your guilt trips. I, I, I remember talking to a guy several years ago. He says, you know what? I've stopped witnessing a long time ago because sinners don't want to hear the truth. And I told that guy, you know what? I wouldn't want to hear you either. But I said, let me tell you something. In spite, of, in spite of hearing your truth, have they seen the love of God in you? Well, what sort of love? You can't love the world. No, I said, the Bible doesn't say to love. It does say it does say to love not the world. But it didn't say that we're. It, for, it says God for God for so loved the world. He's talking about loving people. Do you have a love for people? Do you have a love for the broken? Or, or are you just interested in preaching your gospel and if they don't hear it, let them go, let them burn in hell. That, that, that's not the attitude of a true believer. It should break your heart when you see people in sin. It should break our heart. It should concern us that people are blinded by the God of this world. It should, it should hurt. It should, Lord, just... I, I was thinking about that guy who passed away in March. I, I hope he's in heaven. But he was so cynical and critical... I'm not happy that he died. It makes my heart break that I I wish I could have reached him, but he's gone. I I never want to take for granted people that I'm in contact with around me. I, I need to be in touch. And I need to have the sensitive heart. I need to be sensitive. I need to have the heart that Jesus had for people that were broken. The Samaritan woman. The woman caught in the act of adultery. Peter who failed to deny the Lord. What is our heart towards people that have failure in their life? Or are we quick to judge, be critical, condemn them, write them off, and just, well, they're going to hell too bad. I pray that our hearts are just renewed by the spirit of his grace to see people in a different light. Father, this morning, we just thank you, Lord, that you come, Lord, to birth into us, Lord, of compassion for the world around us. We see our world changing. America is changing. But Lord, instead of condemning and becoming fearful and angry, Lord, help us to have the compassion you had. Help us to have the Daniel effect. Lord, to see that those around us are opportunities. These are people you love. You care about them. Even though they may be in places of, of power over us, Lord, they're still broken. They're lost. Help us, Lord, to recognize this season and time in which we live, strategically placed here to be salt and light in our world. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Turn to someone, give them a hug. Don't forget life groups tonight. Have a great day in the world.